One and two and three and four. There's murder and intrigue, but the kids of Riverdale are gonna be just fine, just fine, just just fine. There's Jughead and Betty, and Dad's a serial killer serving some jail time, jail time, jail jail time. We got milkshakes at Pops. And mimosas at Veronica's Yeah, the kids of Riverdale are gonna solve some crime Some crime, some, some crime Cause the kids of Riverdale are gonna still be fine Maybe damaged, damn, damn, damaged Sit right down, you're gonna have a real good time With Team Cheryl Who's Archie? Hello and welcome to another episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas. And today we are dabbling in the past. Batman 66 meets Archie. Although the comic is actually called Archie meets Batman 66, but I I hold Batman 66 in higher esteem, so I switched around. But I'm not alone in this journey of the absurd uh, I am joined by Lindsay Travis. Hello. Hello. How are you? Uh, great. I'm very excited to be on your show. I'm very hyped. Good, I take good. any excuse to talk about Batman and Archie, so this is a great opportunity. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, just to kind of give people a, kind of an introduction as to like who you are. What's your uh, What's your history with Batman, and then kind of what's your history with Archie as well? Sure. So I read Archie. Always. It was something like my parents always bought me Archie comics. I always would like buy them at the cash at the grocery store. I always had them with me. Um, you know, read them before bed. Huge Archie fan. Um, yeah, I remember like I, I've always liked them. I remember every time someone would tell me they weren't funny, I'd be like, you just don't understand humor. But um, I love Archie comics. Batman is a huge part of my life. Um, if you've ever met me for more than 15, 20 seconds, I've probably mentioned Batman to you. Um, Big fan of his history and his lore, comics, movies, animated stuff. So obviously this crossover is really exciting. Um, I'm not that old, so I didn't watch the 60s show when it was new and on TV per se, but obviously it's a huge part of Batman history and, and Batman lore to know this Adam West version. So it's pretty cool to see him overlap with RG. Yeah, no, for sure. This is uh, this is a very fun, fun event. Uh, yeah, so I basically made sure to have you on because... You're one of the best Batman historians I know. Oh my gosh, thank you. I, I'm like excited and nervous about this one because I like to think I know almost everything about Batman, but then it's like, hmm, I don't know. Is Ivy a new draw for this issue? Like, I don't know Batman 60s super well, but uh, I was I excited mean, to dive into it. I mean, it's kind of, Batman is, is so massive and so uh, multicultural. Like, there is like Batman, like whole stories about Batman in Japan from oh, Japanese yeah. writers, right? Like, it's impossible to know everything Batman. So. Oh yeah, there is so much Batman without a doubt. So, so much, so much Batman. So, uh, much so, Batman. so you mentioned the, the Batman uh, 66 Adam West stuff. Do you have like a lot of experience with that show or uh, not really? I definitely watched it on TV when I was a kid. Um, it was so different. I mean, anyone who knows, um, you know, Batman at all, I mean, look at what we're seeing Batman on screen now versus Batman uh, in the 60s is obviously a completely different thing. Batman kind of took a trip, right? He started off pretty dark and scary, and so did Joker. And then he came 
back in the 60s is super campy and silly and it wasn't until a little bit later almost into the 80s that they started to make him and joker scary again which is cool um so the 60s show is like to me such a marked departure from the rest of batman even though the comics were pretty campy and silly at that time i think that we really see the show as that like very specific campy time for batman like he danced in the pow sock boom um was just out of control so i definitely remember watching the show as a kid and just thinking it was so fun i loved the commissioner i loved the red phone i thought that was so cool and fun so um, i mean i love the batmobile design so yes. i always really liked it but I, I definitely was like casual and watched it i remember loving catwoman or the cat women um and thinking that they were catwomans because the proper name um i remember thinking that they were so so cool and then of course that version of joker is just like seared into my memory always oh it's the best it's the best one of my favorite memes is just whenever anyone like talks about like what everyone did to get into character of joker like all the modern day people and then they just show caesar romero and they're like yeah caesar romero didn't even shave like i'm (laughs) obsessed with that and we'll get to it but i love that in this book they drew his mustache on Oh, yeah. I, I think it would have just, like, I it would have been such a cognitive dissonance for me if there would have been Cesar Romero Joker without the mustache. Because, like, no, it, he's got to have the mustache. Yeah. Like, it's, it's vital. <laughs> the painted and, uh, over mustache. It and so it was beautiful. fun seeing all these characters in the Archie style, but uh, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that. I, 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 uh, I had a similar experience with you for, uh, like, Batman 66 Adam West stuff. It's kind of more of like this weird cultural touchstone that I would always revisit. I think I've seen the movie way more than I've seen the TV show, which is yeah. which is interesting just because I find that especially like 60s TV is like very uh, episodic, even yeah. though every episode of the series would end with what's going to happen next time. Um, <laughs> yeah. It it, it uh, it's kind of hard to watch and marathon a lot of those stuff when you're like it, watching it as like a modern day person because uh, oh, yeah. it was really not meant to be binged right like it was meant to just be watched week after week kind of thing and Absolutely. do other things uh, but we don't do that with TV anymore so uh, we don't know yeah. how to do this uh, but yeah so I always liked liked it but even in this incarnation I realized there's a lot of blind spots for me in that show because there were characters who showed up that I was like oh is this new. And it's like, oh, no, that's a very old, old 60s one. Like, I didn't know that Siren was a returning villain. Yeah, and she's like, like, they kept her very true to form. Nice, nice, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I cannot wait. So I guess let's just hop into the the comic. Uh, so it, it's, it's very interesting how they bring everything together between the universes. Uh, first off, uh, this is actually the first Batman 66 comic book in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. The last one, it looks like that that was actually brand new, uh, was Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman 77, and that was in 2017. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, of course, that would be amazing. Like, I want now I want Linda Carter, Wonder Woman to come into Riverdale. That would be, uh, that would be amazing. But uh, yeah. This comic is actually written by Jeff Parker and Michael Moriki or Morsetti. I'm not sure exactly. I think it's Moriki, but I honestly don't know why I think that. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's fair. I'm going to go with that. I'm not exactly sure either. But Jeff Parker actually wrote the majority of Batman 66 stuff, starting back in 2014 when the series started. So I was like, holy moly. I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah, it's a cool meetup that like they have him because even like having read it, it really felt like um, an Archie writer having fun with Batman. 
but it was really more of a Batman writer having fun with Archie, which is kind of cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of funny because he really should get himself an Archie comic because he seems to kind of really want to play in this world well. Uh, so it was uh, maybe this is a resume. So hire Jeff Parker for a crazy yeah. Archie comic is yeah, what I would say. He, he did a great job. Yeah, he, he did a really good job. Um, but okay, so the the book starts out with uh, having Batman and Robin and Batgirl uh, taking on Poison Ivy, and again, this is going to be our my first like let's stop and talk about lore stuff because mm-hmm. what did you think of this Batman sixty six design for Poison Ivy? So I thought she looked awesome. I really like the Ivy design because I think a it's a really familiar Ivy design. And right. B, I also think it's one that um, carried forth in the the more recent movies. So I think like her green stockings, the green gloves, and this like leaf outfit is very familiar and really cool with her long red hair. I think she looked awesome. I do, and I I'm willing to be wrong about this. Her weird army was so weird to me. I feel like it it, it asked existential questions it was not willing to answer because. <laughs> She's got, like, I get it, it's just a snap dragon, it's not a real dragon, but this is very much an animal. And then she's got these, like, men, and Batman is just straight up killing them, but I guess they're plants, so it doesn't count. I thought that was um, a very strange addition. And, of course, leave it to me, I overthink things, but I was like, oh, weird, is he killing things? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he he it seems to have, like, a herbicide or something, and he is spraying them yeah. all over, and these guys are dropping, so... Oh, he that... straight up kills the dragon. Like, she says, uh, she says, like, how dare you burn my dragon and it dies. <laughs> 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 poor dragon. It's like the one dragon that fire will hurt it. Like, it's a poor, poor baby. Uh, the plant, the plant men all look like the Jolly Green Giant. Like, they all exactly. look variations of that, which I really liked. I like that they had different figures, too. Yeah. Like, they're all slightly different, which is very silly, and I loved it. Yeah, that's true. I was, I, I'll be honest, I was kind of hoping that they would go more, like, Batman and Robin design for mm-hmm. Ivy, because, like, I feel like that movie is actually just a Batman 66 episode. Right. Uh, and they accidentally put it in a, the wrong continuity. Um, <laughs> and... I just think that maybe in the 60s she would have had weird cone heads and weird yeah, right. cone hair. But, I mean, still, like, this is pretty good. Like, and as you said, like, this is a very recognizable Harvey... Harvey? Harvey? <laughs> Ivy design. <laughs> it would make more sense if I had ma- mixed it up with Harley, but no, I, I just brought in Harvey out of nowhere, so... <laughs> another one. Dead you know, guy. there you go. Thanks, Brain. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. This actual, this design was actually, uh, introduced in volume one, issue 26 of the Batman 66 comic all the way back in October, 2015. So I thought that was new for this one, but it was not. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was kind of interesting. Although, funnily enough, the very first comic book appearance of Poison Ivy was in 1966. So, oh, that's cool. uh, she totally could have been in the series had it gone on a little longer. I mean, it went to 1968, but I don't think Ivy became like one of the big league villains until uh, until a bit after that. But she did have her first appearance in there, which was uh, which was kind of good. And then and then we immediately also get introduced to Bookworm and his new sidekick named Footnote, who are after a electronic book. 
which is the most Batman 66 thing, but also like reality in the future, uh, which is kind of just, which is kind of funny. Like, what did you think of this electronic book idea? Uh, I loved it because what I thought was really cool is like, just to point out, um, the Batman 66 comics, like you said, like they were, they started like 2013 to 2016. And then there were a couple crossovers in 2017. And now this book was 2019, I believe. 2018 or 2019. Um, and so what I think was really fun. They had a really cool opportunity to write about the 60s from 2019. So what's cool about that is they got to make jokes about like future stuff. So usually you're writing about the future from the past, right? I know we're now in the times of Blade Runner. And so it's cool to see like this attempt to write what we might have thought the future would have been like in 66. So he's got this book that he's stealing and it's this whole plan to steal this book. And it's like, you know, as valuable as like a quantum computer in this story. And it's pretty great that it's like got dials and little screens and buttons and a hinge and the binding as if, you know, the books of tomorrow are going to be these like very complicated computers and not a tablet. I thought it was really fun. I think they could have been really literal and given us a tablet or a Kindle, but instead it was like, look at this fancy computer looking book. I thought it was just really silly and fun. It kind of reminds me of like, um, you know, futuristic movies when they show future newspaper it's almost like a little folding piece of glass that looks like pages that are electronic but it makes no sense why wouldn't we just have a tablet which is the very obvious solution and i think it just felt like a throwback to that yeah no for sure i'm i'm always a big fan of retro futurism so i think they did a really good job of implementing that here what do you think of bookworm in general you had you had brought to my attention that bookworm actually appeared outside of uh batman 66 comic uh, sorry the tv show which i was uh was very surprised about yeah so bookworm was actually created for the 60s show um he came back in the animated film uh batman vs. two-face um but he also came back in secret origins in 1989 so the bookworm in this book in this archie uh meets batman 66 and in the TV shows, like this very silly Riddler type character, um, which, um, you know, as we know, works really well for episodic television. I mean, Joker, Riddler, Bookworm, every one of these characters for the show was created to leave clues that Batman had to figure out and then he would find the answer and the episode would be over. Um, And so that's kind of who he was in the 60s, but in 89, he was this very spooky enemy of Huntress. So I'm sure you guys have heard of Huntress because she will be showing up in the uh, newest uh, DC movie, I believe. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. Anyway, so Huntress will be yeah, one of I the. Yeah, because um, she's she's played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, right? Like I think that's. Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. So she's yeah. Birds of Prey. Is that what that? Yes, exactly. Called? Birds of Prey. Oh my gosh. Sorry. So Huntress will be showing up in Birds of Prey. So you guys would know her. So Huntress had Bookworm as an enemy in Secret Origins, and it was a very spooky telling. I mean, he pretty much looked the same, um, but he was he was a much scarier character in that, and he's got a pretty dark story, which is interesting. That of all the of all the characters in Batman lore, they're like, let's take this '60s campy silly guy and throw him into a spooky story with Huntress. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a qu- quite a big uh, surprise there. I, I did not expect there to be any more uh, work featuring him at all. So I was uh, nice, uh, nice surprise basically. Um, yeah. So w- uh, what did you think of just like this whole opening opening sequence? Did this did this feel like an episode of like sixty six Batman to you? Yeah, one hundred percent. Like 
the again we were saying like 66 batman was very much batman is in a jam the villains are all working together what's interesting in the batman uh 60s show is that the villains are a lot less um menacing than you kind of imagine them to be like when you see a guy like joker otherwise you're like oh someone's gonna die but when you see joker in 66 it's like oh what hijinks is he up to today so it really felt like that, that these these villains were up to some hijinks, but it was definitely dangerous, but it was still just hijinks that Batman had to thwart. Um, and so it did really feel like that. The villains also worked together a lot in the 60s show, which is cool. It doesn't happen... It does happen in comics. They overlap and work together, but it's always like a big deal, as we're in the show. It happened all the time. So I thought it was really neat that you got Ivy has escaped from... And they don't call it Arkham Asylum. They call it like the Arkham Institute or something like that. Um, and she's escaped... And it was all just like a, it was a trick to, to distract Batman while Bookworm did something else. And, and I think that's cool. It kind of comes back to the whole Gotham as if like without Batman, who's watching Gotham? And if Batman is focused on one more thing like Ivy, then Bookworm is free to do whatever he wants because there's no other authority. And I think it felt, yeah, exactly like that. It was really cool and fun. Yeah, poor old Chief O'Hara uh, is, seems to be utterly incompetent and can't <laughs> do anything without Batman. Um, yeah. But uh, the, that whole idea of, like, Batman is the only thing that's, like, stopping all these people really does kind of, like, work throughout the issues and, like, yeah. kind of, like, fold into the whole overarching plot line, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I like the I liked that their big plan was to just go to Riverdale, which is apparently, like, decently close by. Like, did you... Did Did you ever get a good idea of, like, what the uh, spatial difference between these two places was? (laughs) There isn't really much. I mean, it's close enough that they were able to reach each other via, like, a CB radio. And uh, it looks like it was close enough that they could all get there and back pretty quickly. Mr. Lodge knows about Bruce Wayne. They've never met. Um, I think the idea of it is just so fun because that's always been my beef, like, I've always said with um, with comics in general, especially Batman, because they tend to be a little bit darker. And with darker comes, you know, this element of realism. It's real and gritty and dark. And the one thing about comic books is the more you um, ground them in reality, the easier it is to be like, wait, that's dumb. And I think that it's really, you know, the more you ground Batman in reality, the more you can say, well, why don't these people just leave Gotham? Why are they all still there? Um, and I think that's just always been one of the kind of larger problems every time a Batman story gets a little bit too realistic. So I think it was really, really fun that the villains were just like, well, what if we just left Gotham? And that was their solution. It's like, oh yeah, why didn't anyone think of that before? <laughs> yeah. That was just that, so great. That is, that is pretty good. Just because, again, like, I, I like how this is the most, one of the most absurd, like, Batman 66 is the most absurd version of Batman there is, but yeah. it uses the idea that you think of when you read serious Batman stories. So, yeah. like, that kind of uh, good point. Why do the Waynes live in Gotham? It makes no sense. And uh, <laughs> and in this one, they were like, yeah, what if we just left? And then there wouldn't be a Batman there. And you're like, oh, yeah, great idea. Um, so I love that they just played with that. And it was so matter-of-fact. Like, here's my evil plan. We'll go to Riverdale. <laughs> that was beautiful. I yeah, it. I mean, like, what was nice is they, they captured all the voices of these, like, original Batman 66 villains so well. Because, so like, well. Because I feel like, especially back in, in Batman 66, like, you could, if you're a bad writer doing it modern, modern, it can sometimes be hard to, like, differentiate Riddler and the Joker because they have, like, so similar antics. Um, and, and a bad writer doesn't really know how to, uh, how to differentiate the two very well. But like this one, you really got the spirit of like the Frank Gorshin and, you know, 
classic classic Joker, which was uh, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, and and from there they just kind of start taking over uh, Riverdale using mind control. Yeah. Which, you know, a, a very, very convenient plot device. A very convenient plot device, and let might I add, the mind control does not work on teenagers. Which right. th- there you go. The All parents, the more convenient. <laughs> parents everywhere agree. Uh, you cannot control those those rowdy teens. Yes. Um, but I, I, I did like how this kind of like uh, this idea of all these characters from Riverdale being uh, th- so this is this is a weird version of Riverdale, I might mm-hmm. add, because one uh, for the uh, 1966, it's actually uh, fairly multicultural. And uh, I was kind of glad to see that. But like this is clearly like the modern version of classic Archie, which is. <laughs> Because cause even Kevin Keller is in this, and Kevin Keller was not re- uh, introduced until relatively recently. Yeah. Um, so that was a surprise. Um, and they don't really get into uh, Kevin Keller's sexuality, but, like, they do also hint at it a little bit when, like, he's, like, not impressed by Catwoman at all. Yes. So I thought, I thought l- little moments like that were... Uh, were kind of amusing, and also seeing. Uh, I, I get this happens a lot in Archie horror comics, but in non-Archie Archie horror comics, seeing like an evil version of Pops is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you say um, that. Like I, so when I saw Kevin, I put like a big hot like post-it note right over because I was like, yes, Kevin is here, and I was really happy because he's a new character, and it would have been so easy to just skim over him like he never existed, and like Archie's pretty timeless like you know archie comics have always kind of felt like the same universe but you know they have cell phones but they go to the chocolate shop you know what i mean like it's kind of just never really it's always been an ambiguous time so it's cool like just because kevin didn't show up until i want to say 2016 that's a total guess i have no idea when kevin showed up i think you're right i think you're right he was at least in the 2010s like he's very recent but they folded him in quite well to be honest so it stands, it's not like Kevin showed up in whatever year he showed up and he would have existed always because there isn't really a defined time in Archie, which is cool. So I love that they threw him in there, but it's funny that you said the multicultural thing because one thing that I really noticed is I was kind of like, I don't know, I really feel like they skimmed over a lot of the side characters. Like you've got Ethel in like the background of a character. Oh, oh but, they uh, definitely the side but over they, like all of them. All the not white characters pretty much are just not here. Like you've got them kind of in the background in the pool, but I was kind of like, oh man, like you had time for Moose, you know, you could have thrown in a couple others. That's something I know, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because I obviously have, I look for that, I guess, unintentionally. So I noticed it, but yeah. Well, I mean, like you could have done some interesting uh, storytelling aspects from that. Like, uh, so for example, like this is kind of crazy off off base but it actually all kind of ties in well so when they were doing the spider-verse comic books yeah and they would do like crossovers they had miles morales spider-man go into like the spider-man 66 like mm-hmm. universe mm-hmm. and he's also there with like one of the comic like sorry one of the cartoon versions and at the end uh miles morales like unmasks to batman like to classic 66 spider-man Mm-hmm. And, like, there's this moment where you're like, uh-oh, is he going to say something, like, problematic? And, like, literally <laughs> one of the cartoon characters is like, uh-oh, how old school is this guy? And then, like, all he says is, oh, you're just a kid. I'm an adult. And you're like, oh, whoosh. Like, like <laughs> Yeah, like, there's an opportunity there that I, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, 
awesome that Kevin showed up, but I do feel like a lot of people were sidelined. And you're right, there could have been some cool storytelling there. And then even, you know, the version of Catwoman could have been one of many. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why they, I think they just, they always do Julie Newmar. Uh, yeah. Which again, she's classic. Like, there's no, no, no harm to it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't really even play around with her and Batman much. Because like, al- almost like every Catwoman appearance, there's like the romance between the two. But like, they don't touch on it at all, which is surprising. Well, I kind of, and this is a bit off topic, maybe skipping steps here. One thing that I found that it's definitely true to Archie, but I was kind of like, ooh, but you still wrote this in 2019, is there's always been, like, Archie's always suffered a bit from being about sexy, like, sexy teens. <laughs> so yeah, there's yeah, a little bit of the yeah, element of that. Yes, it has. Um, <laughs> it's, it's always the, been there. It's okay. But I really felt, um, I didn't really know what to make of the temptress seducing high school boys and then also like Betty and Veronica hanging off of Bruce Wayne and it kind of being like oh Bruce you playboy like ooh they're like 16 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, also like that's one of my uh, issues with some of the variant covers because uh, the yeah. variant covers kind of go ham on that and you're like ooh yeah, it's okay, weird... I guess that's what you're going to do. It makes you feel uncomfortable as an adult. But okay. <laughs> so I was like, you know, let's have Batman and Catwoman flirt a yeah. bit more than we have Catwoman being like, hey, sexy teenagers. You're like, ooh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was, okay, now in Batman 66, isn't hmm. uh, Batgirl like an adult librarian? Um, In like the, like in the show? Yeah. Yeah, I always remember her being an adult. Um, yeah, which is a, which is why I was kind of like surprised she got sent back to high school. Um, so I guess we didn't really cover that plot point. If you haven't read it, oh, uh, yeah. you should. It's a fun comic. But um, they eventually uh, somehow, like in another convenient plot point, Dilton Doily accidentally contacts the Batcave, um, which I guess you can just do. Um, CB radios, y'all. Um, mm-hmm. They go pretty far, I guess. And yeah. he... Uh, Bruce finds out that there's something like fishy going on in Riverdale. So then he sends um, Batgirl and Robin back to infiltrate the high school and to like look after things um, to try and figure out if everything's okay while he looks after Gotham kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Again, all super, super duper convenient. So you do have that like weird uh, like 21 Jump Street stuff happening where yes. all of a sudden these characters are back in high school. Although like I guess Burt Ward... Oh, how old is Robin in the 66 show? So he is like the boy wonder. Yeah. And he's yeah. pretty young, but I don't I think he's supposed I think his character's younger than the actor is always what I've read. I've always felt like, oh, he's short and he plays a younger guy than he is. But I don't know if that's exactly right. But um like he Yeah, I don't know. And then another thing you may or may not know the answer to. When did um in the show, like, they don't know Barbara is Batgirl for a long time. Yeah, if ever. I don't know if that is I know. in the show, if that's, like, if that's clear. Uh, that is a good point, because they kind of just... They just know, yeah, like, they send them to school. They send them to school sans alias, which I love. Like, they just walk into the yeah. school... And I think it's, is it Miss Grundy? Miss Grundy's just yep, like, Ms. these Ms. are Grundy. our new students, Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon. And everyone's like, nice to meet you. Um, which was interesting. And then, of course, you know, everybody's infatuated, which, like, I get it, Betty. Dick Grayson is a babe. Um, you know, maybe not <laughs> the mean, 60s like, okay. version, but Grayson as a character. Maybe not Burt Ward, per se. Okay, <laughs> but Dick Grayson as a character. <laughs> 
Oh, well, maybe maybe like, not the Burt listen. Ward version, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, to but each Grayson their own. himself. Um, and, I mean, I don't know. I've always just assumed that he was young because they always call him, like, that, or Bruce Wayne's ward. Right. So it doesn't, it always kind of implies that he's a bit of a kid and not so much his, like, aged equal. But Very true. Know, then, in that case, like, I would have expected Veronica to just know who he was. That would have been kind of cool, right? Like, oh, because well, like, it, she, it takes a long she, time. Doesn't does she, she figure it out? I feel like she does. Uh, they're, like... Because I thought, like, Bruce Wayne just, like, showed up and then, like, Pops, like, her dad knew who he was, but, like, nobody knew about Burt Ward, uh, so I mean, like, Dick Grayson Dick being... So when he shows up to the school, Veronica's not in the class. Oh, because Veronica's too cool for school, I forgot. Yeah, Veronica's busy, and then I think it's when they go to the party. I don't know. I also love, again, guys, sexy teens. When they show up at the party, Veronica's like, hey, I got you guys some swimwear. Barbara, you're the same size as me, and boys can wear whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I feel like Ronnie knows right away and says something, or maybe it's not until Hiram meets him. They say something like, oh, this is Bruce Wayne's ward. And they're like, oh, and everybody kind of knows. Yeah, he that's is. fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's one of those like cover at all. It's one of those like throwaway lines that you can kind of like catch or you can miss easy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but they uh, they really don't hide themselves at all. They just kind of show up. Yeah, that's true. That's what did you think of the fashions? Because we did mention how they look, and like some of the characters have like crazy fashions. Like I feel like Veronica has like seven different costumes throughout this yeah. series. Veronica, very true to form, has a bunch of different outfits on, but I kind of have always associated that with Veronica. Like, I remember as a kid, I, like, the things I remember about Veronica is her coming home with a bunch of boxes and bags, and she was always on a shopping spree, and I never, like, really knew exactly what that meant, but she always was. Um, I loved her outfits. I loved her hair. I think it was pretty cool that everyone kind of had their, like, beehive bouffants. I thought that was really cool. Um... That was awesome. I, I I don't know. I really love their outfits. It's very noticeable. Ronnie changes outfits a lot of times. I was thinking it's funny. Like they go to this party and they're trying to blend in, so they wear these like over the top outfits. And then Ronnie won't go in the water at one point. She doesn't want to ruin it, um, which I thought was cool. So I thought their outfits were great. I also really liked like Archie. We're used to seeing him in like one or two of the same things, especially in the '60s or uh, when he's drawn in the '60s. I thought it was cool that he changed a lot. He wears a lot of graphic tees. He wears a Batman tee. He wears a blazer with a tie and pants at one point, which I thought was so cute because it's so, like, what the teenage boyfriend would probably wear to the party to impress the dad. You know, it was, like, one suit jacket, tie, and pants that he has. I thought it was really cute. Yeah, yeah I thought the true. fashions were great. Did, I don't think Jughead changes at all, which is just no. kind of true to form to Jughead. Um, totally. And then Betty is, I think Betty is crazy underused in this comic. Like, I think of all yeah. the characters sidelined, I think, like, Betty has, like, what? like maybe seven lines throughout this entire series like she's never really like driving the plot yeah betty doesn't do much she shows up and has a crush on here's okay and this is something that um i wanted to to get to but so with betty so she sees dick grayson so so the scene is basically they batman says you guys are going undercover in riverdale because they get word that the villains are going to riverdale and uh barbara gordon and dick grayson join their high school classes and archie is immediately infatuated with barbara and uh betty has a thing for grayson and they even have this like moment where they like all jam onto the motorcycle and betty's like wrapped around dick grayson and that's the whole thing and then they mentioned very quickly something like, oh, Betty Cooper, that's Dick's aunt's name. 
Oh and my then, God. and then, oh yeah, later. Right. So you're kind of like, oh, that's weird. Is that like an Easter egg? Because I know they put a lot of Easter eggs in here. And then later in the very end, Betty's like, yeah, I'll be by Gotham to visit my aunt Harriet, who's like also Grayson's aunt. And I was oh like, my. what? <laughs> so oh, Batman yep. and Dick, I think, are related. Yeah, no, that pretty much uh, is exactly what happens. I totally forgot about that little plot point that, like, she was, like, super infatuated with him, so... Yeah, so I don't know... Again, I might have missed this in the 60s show because I don't remember much except for, like, a few things. Like, who is this Aunt Harriet? Like, does he have Um, living relatives? Because you kind of assume, you know, Grayson's an orphan. He's got no one. That's why he becomes Batman's ward. Um, but it sounds like he's got an active aunt who's hanging around Gotham, so, uh, who also has a kid in Riverdale. Sure. So Aunt Harriet, like, I never got that she was Dick's aunt, like, because I'm pretty sure even Bruce just calls her Aunt Harriet. Like, I swear to God. <sighs> but she's like a live-in, uh, like a live-in nurse and care person for um, the the Waynes, um, because oh. I guess they need two. Because, uh, like, she shows up in... I, I only remember this because I just recently watched both of those animated films where they kind of, like, redo it. And Anne Harriet is a big part of that where she's, like, always sit, almost figuring out their identities in, like, really dumb 60s ways. No. Uh, but she's, like, the one person in the Wayne Manor who doesn't know that Wayne is Batman. So they have to, like, always be like, oh, Aunt Harriet, oh, the oven, go see what that is. And then she goes, <laughs> and then they, like, fly away and... No, I'm pretty confident. I'm just, I'm cheating a bit. I checked. Um, So she's from the television series. Right. But she came, in the comics, she was created to be Dick's maternal aunt. Uh, Oh, so like in the 60s, like in the 66 comics? Or like outside of continuity? In like 1964 in like continuity created by Bill Finger. Oh, oh wow. She's a Bill Finger. She's like creation. an OG. Oh. Yeah. So oh. then it's that she's unable to care for Dick herself. So she says, yeah, Bruce, you take him. So there you go. So I don't know if in the show she's supposed to be his actual aunt or um, like an aunt figure type. And is her name Harriet Cooper? Like, is her full name Harriet Cooper? Because, like, that's. Yeah, just she's always been Harriet Cooper. Well, there you go. That's just. You know what? That's fun. That, that is fun. Like, that's, that's more fun than. Uh, Oh, what they what they view as fun fan service nowadays, where both characters have the same mom's name and they just yell at each other. <laughs> yeah, um, this is the the original the original Martha the original is Harriet Martha. Cooper. Is <laughs> Betty Harry Cooper and Harriet Cooper? Aunt Harriet. Oh my oh god. Oh god. Aunt Harriet is just a great name to say, also. But um, like Aunt Harriet is fun, and I just I mean I love that as like a fun again as a fun Easter egg. I love that. But A, that means that Betty and Dick are cousins. Gross. And then it also means that Betty just casually didn't know that she was related to Dick Grayson, even though they are potentially third cousins, depending on the on the math here. They were their blood relatives. She just never well, knew about them. I, I feel like the Graysons aren't ones for family reunions. I, I just, guess uh, not. I guess know? they're always traveling, right? Like, technically, no. <laughs> or, but if it's, if it's in, her aunt... Wouldn't yep. she, like, know of the time that her her other aunt and uncle were in the circus and died suddenly? Is that a brutal death? Yeah. You <laughs> a would think... brutal death heard around the world? You would think that. You would think that. Although, like, in the 66 show, does he have the same origins? Or is that ever addressed? I don't know. I'm quite confident, yes, and that it's 
addressed. Oh, okay, fair. You're probably I I I, I, I don't know. On this, I'm not sure, but I might be wrong about that. And in the foreword, they actually mention it casually. Oh well, there you go. So probably, probably is. <laughs> but, yeah. Yes. Um. So okay. So now we're gonna get to the villains. Now the villains mm-hmm. of the menagerie, like who are mm-hmm. all like involved in the like being, taking over Riverdale. Um. Mm-hmm. So you've got Siren, you've got Penguin, you've got the Riddler, and you've got the Joker and Catwoman. Those mm-hmm. are the five, right? Was, was mm-hmm. there anyone else? Uh, no, I think it's them. That's the big five, and they've got a few really great villain shots in the book. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, like this one on, uh, no patient numbers, but there's one where they're all looking through um, a piece of glass outside from Pops, and it's like all of them lined up. It looks great. And there's another part where they're all sitting um, in the Institute, and another part where they're all sitting at Pops Chocolate Shops. So there's some really great villain shots. Yeah, which again is like very much uh, an iconic uh, technique of classic 66 show because they would do that a lot where they would have like these amazing group villain shots yeah. of all of them and i'm just i'm always amazed that these characters can get along because it just seems like they they wouldn't um i, they... I feel like all, all the characters i could i read in their original voices except for siren because i obviously didn't know that character before now yeah and also like i i didn't feel as much burgess meredith in the penguin like i felt like there maybe there could have been a few more wah, wah, or like yeah. a few more like there are a few wah, wahs, but like i was kind of hoping for a few more and then like he used to always make like in the 60s show he used to always make really weird nautical birds reference yeah. like nautical references and bird references and he doesn't really do that at all here which is kind of a bummer yeah you're right i i noticed that too i really um i felt like Catwoman had a bit going on, but her bit is kind of that she's hot, so I guess they just did that throughout. And then they, yeah, they gave them, like, whack sound in there. But you're right, they didn't have a ton of persona um, themselves. Like, even Joker's persona was a bit weird. It was like he was, like, obsessed with these ideas that everyone else didn't really think worked. And I guess that was just kind of a way of creating conflict amongst the villains. But, I yeah, I didn't feel a ton of personality in the villains. So, out of all of them, like, out of all the villains, I felt like we got the most with the Riddler. And, like, he didn't do much in the terms of riddles, but he was constantly, like, seemed to be, like, the head of the operation. Like, Siren, I guess Siren works with him a lot, because Siren was, like, her first appearance in the uh, Batman 66 TV show was actually in in an episode called Ring Around the Riddler. So, I guess those two have, like, a a attachment to each other i guess um so um i guess that makes sense because usually it's like a lot of him being like hey siren do this and get them to do all this and again um the the main cover of this like the whole collection is the batman uh 66 guys like crashing in on the archie's band yeah so i was expecting the archie's band to play into this at 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 some point in some way like i thought like oh the only way they can beat the siren is with this like some josie and the pussycats the movie uh stuff or something yeah yeah they yeah there was like i mean i guess there was a lot going on with the whole villain gang it's definitely a batman story that happens in riverdale um and archie is kind of like they're there but they're there it's not so much an archie story so there aren't a ton like again the side characters show up like cheryl blossom is there um, but yeah, there could have been like so many cute jokes about Josie and the Pussycats with Catwoman that just didn't happen, which would have been really fun. Um, there was a lot of opportunity, but obviously they need to keep it tight. Um, 
But I do think that the villains were really fun, again, as much as they did kind of get sidelined. I wanted more from Riddler. I wanted more from Joker. I guess that's kind of just a function of having so many of them together. I think in the show, they're so established. There's, like, this old uh, thing I remember reading years ago about, like, writing for TV about how characters in the first three seasons you're writing a bunch of jokes but eventually you're just writing lines that sound like jokes so if you watch like season five of will and grace karen walker just says vodka and you laugh because you know that she's her bit is that she's a funny alcoholic who's rich so all she has to say is i'm just i love to drink and you're like what a hilarious joke and the jokes kind of write themselves so i think here we're kind of in the world where these characters are established and you just kind of don't need much from them to know what they're saying and doing and thinking because you, you know them so well um but i do think something's a bit lost there like there's not a ton going on with riddler like why wasn't riddler planting planting riddles yeah i'm surprised like i think like so i guess they just wanted to get dilton doily in here for some reason um yeah because like that that's like the only reason why they really that's how they bring batman in but yeah i it wouldn't have been better if like the riddler had just left a weird riverdale riddle somewhere like and that's how like batman discovered they were in um you know they were out of out of gotham because like that's that's textbook riddler is he foils his own plans all the time because he's just uh, like egomaniac which bookworm kind of does which i guess i mean he's a riddlery character so that makes sense but i think the only time you actually see any of their personality and it's not much is when um they're rescuing jughead um dick and barbara from the lair and they pull up the plans for new riverdale and they go through it and they're like of course a model of their imperfect society based upon their colossal egos and there's this like map or the model i don't know um of this land where betty's like oh no catwoman's go-go club and archie's like penguin's ice palace Jughead's like Joker's amusement park and it's it's their ideas so I guess the biggest personality slice you get from them is their ideas for New Riverdale like what they want and what they hope to accomplish when they take over very true um, very true do you want to do you want to uh, reveal how uh they are rescued from uh Joker's trap which is just a symbol monkey that keeps uh <laughs> hammering and just driving yeah. people driving people insane so first of all, yeah, so they're trapped in a lair, so they're trying to solve how to uh, get Siren to also work for teenagers, because as we know, she only works, initially it was only for men, and then they, they did some work and got it to work for women also, and then they want to make it work for kids and teens, so that's their whole plan, is to trap Dilton Doily, because Reggie, Reggie helps them a bit for money, um, and they trap Dilton Doily and get him to work on it, and they trap them in this lair, and in order to crack the teenage brain, Joker's plan is to have them stare at one of those symbol monkeys that is just playing at like a billion decibels, just burning their eardrums to hopefully break them. And Jughead's really hungry, so he's a little bit weak, which I like that. That was a fun thing to throw in there. And so they have this like scene where they're all trapped in there. So Jughead's been in there longer, so he's a little bit more in trouble. And Betty and, or sorry, Betty, um, Batgirl and Robin are tied to chairs, and it's just like clang, 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 and they're kind of solving this problem. And then uh, Riddler kind of reveals himself at the party. It's very odd. So they have this whole plan to take over Riverdale, and they basically force people into these positions of power. The villains are in force into these positions of power. There's a really cool note where Batman's like, hold on a second, we didn't vote for these people, which I thought was, was a fun little 2019 uh, riff. 
and then they're rescued by oh gosh is there something that i'm missing about how they find them oh yeah so um jughead's crown falls oh, off oh yeah of course like, okay <laughs> and creates like this weird bat signal but it's the jughead crown because right, right, right. for some so like in in a way that like is totally nonsensical because this is Zero daytime deaths. But yeah. uh, they somehow use a lamp and Jughead's crown to make, like, a bat-type signal so they know to come and save them in the basement of Pops. Um, now, you mentioned Jughead's, like, food, constant, like, constant food thing. Because, yeah. like, so they start where they're, like, studying for, like, a history test and, like, the only answers are, like, food-related questions. Like, that are, right. like, well, like, the real answers are, like, Jughead can't get because he's just answering food-related questions. I thought it would have been really funny slash cute if, like, that's how they solved a riddler riddle if like oh. jughead is there and jughead can only answer questions with food but like the riddler's question would actually be answered with food so he'd actually oh, inadvertently fun. get it right i don't know like i thought like something like little like a little subversion like that would have been funny and i i honestly thought they were setting that up yeah because they are quizzing him and he's giving like the like food answers and you're like ah okay i see where this is going and then i was like oh i guess i guess i didn't see where this was going yeah, I, I, that's actually such a great idea. I did want a bit more, like, I think, so I don't know if you've read, this is a bit off, offside, but I don't know if you've read the uh, Vampironica book oh, yet. I have read Vampironica. It's my favorite. I love Oh, you like Vampironica. Okay, cool. So I was kind of lukewarm on Vampironica, that's fair. That's fair. but I didn't hate it. I was just kind of like, oh, okay. And one thing I found about Vampironica is that, okay, cool, so... Uh, start of the story, and you know, I don't think this is a spoiler. I think it's pretty, pretty standard. But start of the story, Veronica becomes a vampire, and then more people are becoming vampires, and they're trying to take over Riverdale. And there's this kind of like big scene where they're all trapped at this party at the Lodge's house, and, and there's a mind control situation of sorts as a result of the two types of vampires. And Veronica needs to stop it with the rest of the gang. And this is a very similar story, um, like page to page, very similar. Someone in um, Riverdale has been turned evil, and now they're all under all under some kind of mind control. And Archie and the gang have to find a way to break this mind control. That's so pretty, it was a that's pretty spot on, actually. That's yeah. pretty that's pretty spot on. It's very much the same ish story, which isn't a bad thing. So I think you've got a very simple story, and it's exactly what the story needed to be. We didn't I didn't want anything more in depth. Like that's what we need. And I think when you have a really simple story, the job of the of the writers here isn't to tell a really complicated Batman Archie story. It's to use Batman and Archie together. Right. And I think your idea is exactly right. Like that would have been a really cool way to use Jughead and and in a Batman story, which I do think was kind of missed. Like the bat signal thing was like okay, like it's very recognizable immediately that it's Jughead's beanie. Right. Um, you know exactly what you're looking at. You see the bat signal. It was kind of fun. And then when they explain how they did it, it's so Batman sixties where they're like, oh, all we did was kick this button and drag this over here, and you're like, yeah, okay, sure. And that's very, very true to the Batman 60s. So I thought that was a really cool way of doing it. But yeah, I kind of wanted a bit more, like you said, uh, whether it was Jughead using food to solve a riddle. I wanted a bit more of like, okay, your story is simple. Now tell me how these characters interact and what's funny or cool or interesting about that. Right, right. It's kind of funny that um, just like getting into the idea of crossing over characters that are so simple and so like basic idea wise. It's kind of funny that uh, Batman crossed over with scooby-doo before he crossed over with 
Riverdale and Archie because Scooby-Doo yeah. was originally a ripoff of Archie, the Archies. Yeah. So, like, it's, like, this weird thing of, like, where Batman... Who hasn't Batman crossed over with, right? Like, Batman is such, like, an iconic character with, like, a very iconic rogues gallery where he can yes. kind of fit in with any kind of story you're trying to tell. Yes. Like, for real. Like, I could see, like, an old gothic romance. Like, that's prime Batman. Like, you can do, you can do anything with Batman. Like, he, Batman's he been can... a samurai. Batman's been... Oh, yes, there has. Yeah. I, actually, I actually kind of thought that... I thought that was kind of fun. That was kind of a cute, cute, cute <laughs> yeah. little story. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, there's... He's he's such an iconic character that that adapts so well. Um, so where did you think of this? There are a few little other details I want to go, but I'm just curious mm-hmm. where you would rank this in your Batman crossovers, mm-hmm. and I guess even Archie crossovers if you wanted to bring that into. I don't know how much experience you have with the random ass sure. Archie crossovers, um, and just kind of talk about where you would kind of rank this, and then also I kind of want to know your favorites uh, if you uh, if you can pull Favorite it off crossovers? top of your head. Um, yeah, so as far as Batman crossovers go, of course, there are many, and not even just crossovers, Batman has been picked up and placed other places, like we said, you know, Batman Samurai, he's been, he's existed in Japan, um, so yeah, Batman is a really versatile, flexible character, because there's really not a ton to him, please don't eat me, Batman fans, um, he's a sad boy with a lot of money, so he can, he can pretty much land anywhere, which is cool about him, so he's very ripe for crossovers. I think, personally, I'm not super connected to the Batman 66 um, version of Batman, so this isn't, like, top tier for me, only because this isn't really my Batman as I see him in a lot of ways, but I do think it was really effective. I think it was really fun. Um, I really, I had fun reading it. I wasn't bored. It took me a long time to read because I kept going back and looking at the pictures and, and looking through it. Sometimes I blow through Batman comics, so I do think this was actually really great. I don't, um, I don't read a ton of Batman crossovers outside of, like, DC and even just Marvel canon, so I don't know that I would really have a bunch of favorites. As far as Archie crossovers, I think this is a really great one. Archie has done so many fun crossovers and spinoffs, like, again, guys, go read Archie vs. Predator and have a good time. So I think, again, Archie is very much a blank canvas of a bunch of teens so it's weird that you've got these like adult characters overlap with them so often but i think this was a really effective one i really liked it i liked it better better than a lot of others um yeah i don't know i think it ranks pretty high for me for an archie crossover it definitely ranks pretty high for a batman crossover probably somewhere right in the middle that's fair that's fair that's fair yeah. it's it's but batman crossovers are kind of all dependent on what you want out of a batman crossover I still yeah. think my my favorite is probably the like I think it's like the nineteen seventies cartoon of Batman and Scooby Doo crossing over. Yeah. Because it's it was still like entrenched in that classic era of both characters and like in a very like 'cause like I I believe there was like Adam West and Burt Ward were like the voices in that too. Like I feel like maybe if this had actually been like an animated film now, unfortunately, Adam West is no longer with us. But, like, I think yeah. maybe that would have kind of, like, pushed it over the edge for me and, like, would have maybe made it, like, top tier is to like, actually, like, hear these characters, like, interact. Because, totally. like, I guess that's just, like, a such a big uh, big component of, especially Batman for me. I don't know why, for whatever reason. Yeah. But I just, I just, his, like, iconic being, like, a talking character. But, you know. Yes. It's well, certainly he... better than Dark Claw, 
that time when <laughs> Batman and Wolverine got com- combined. Oh my god, that was so stupid. But like Batman, it's weirdly enough, like Batman and Archie have overlapped with a lot of the same people. Like they both overlapped with the yeah. Predator. They've both or not overlapped, crossed over with the Predator. They both crossed over with um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles, yeah, which is really cool. I will say just thinking about Batman crossovers, I don't know. It actually just finished Finally, um, I haven't read the last few issues yet. Um, the uh, Watchmen, the Doomsday Clock story. Oh. So it's a another Watchmen story. So it was just like a very, I mean, in typical comic book fashion, it was just delayed, delayed, delayed. Um, it's a really interesting story. I really like it as a Batman crossover. Uh, so he meets everybody. So I won't get into a ton of it because I think there's a lot to it and, and you should read it if you're interested. But what's really cool is... Um, when you watch Watchmen, it's really easy, much like you can compare the Avengers to the Justice, to the Justice League and kind of see who matches with whom. Um, there's a lot of that in Watchmen as well. And what's cool is when you kind of break down Watchmen, you kind of would maybe think that Batman is this leader character and, and exactly who is he. But in the um, Doomsday Clock stories, it's like, oh, he's Vite. Like, he's... Batman is most accurately... Uh, matched against Adrian Veidt, which is which is really interesting because he's the bad guy. Right, right. So there's a really interesting um, point early in the story where Veidt is trying to find his match, and it's like the smartest man in the world, and that's who Batman is. So I think that's a really cool crossover because it really kind of makes the characters face themselves, and Batman, as you see, like it's not a secret that Batman's a dark, gritty character, um, almost parodied in Watchmen. But it, yeah, Batman is mostly the Rorschach or the Vite type, which is which is really fun. So I really like that crossover as a Batman story. That's true. And it's funny that he's not Owlman, which is the most yeah. like the one to one. You'd think that that would be who that character would be, but no, really like he's more like I feel like I feel like I guess like three characters in Watchmen are like weird different versions of Batman, which I guess right. I've never really thought of because like I mean I guess I'll, I mean this is way off topic, but hey, this is we're talking about it. I'm, yeah, I'm we're we're going it. there. Watchmen's hot. It's it's hot. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Man. Uh, but like Owlman is like what I mean. I feel like what the lay person would think Batman is. Like if you right. just like stop someone on the street who like wasn't super into it, like that would be. And like there's not a, there's not a like a criticism. That's just a. That's like kind of like the pop culture view of Batman yeah, in a lot got, of ways, I think, the, is what Owlman gadgets. is. He's got gadgets. Night Owl. I'm sorry. I'm going to be that person. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's oh, okay. Right. <laughs> no, Owlman, I'm only saying, I'm only saying it. Owlman <laughs> is a thing, but Owlman is the evil version yes. of Batman from Earth 3, right? Yes. Okay. I only said that because I didn't want to passive, like, passively just call him Night Owl and sound like I... Anyway. Night no. Owl. No, um, yeah. Night Owl, he's, but... got, he's got the gadgets. He's got the ship. Yeah. He's got the pointy ears. He sees in the dark. Owl, bat. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And, like, even, you know, when you look at the Justice League up against the Avengers, you're like, oh, Iron Man, right? The rich right. guy who's really smart and has cool gadgets. He doesn't have any powers. He has gadgets. I, you know, Iron Man, Night Owl, Batman. But then when you really put them one-to-one, you're like, no, he's the smart, stoic guy. Like, he's much more Rorschach, and he's much more um, Vite than he is anybody else. And exactly like you said, like, to the layperson at a glance, that makes sense. But then when you dig into it, you're like, oh, no, maybe not. And maybe Batman's kind of, you know, and Batman is kind of 
a dick. Every time he shows up in Justice League, there's always a little bit of a fight. Like him, Superman, and Wonder Woman all kind of bicker oh, amongst yeah. themselves. Always. So it's pretty interesting. Always. There's so many, there's so many, like, so I think some of my favorite Justice League stories are just like Batman's too grumpy to make friends. Like, yeah. that's what it all is. It's all like, like Batman like, sure. Doom like, or, or Justice League Doom or whatever, that, that storyline where like yeah. he's like, uh, I think it's Razel Ghoul steals his plans to like take down all the Justice League if they ever went mm-hmm. bad. And, like, so much of that story is just Batman being grumpy and, like, not asking people for their opinions on things. He's just grumpy. He's just a sad boy. (laughs) But, like, that's totally the opposite of what this version of Batman is, which kind of makes it fun to read and and just a very different take on the character. I've always wanted to do a, uh, like, an essay or, like, a really interesting critical analysis, like, looking at Batman's relationship with the police officers throughout the years. Because, yeah. like, in Batman 66, he's, like, deputized. Like, he is a part of the police force. And so, then you, yeah, go then on. Then you get to, like, uh, like Frank Miller, Batman, and it's like, no, the police are evil and corrupt. And yes. I am, I am Frank Ugh. Miller, Batman, and I punch things and I'm angry. But, yeah, Batman's um, relationship with police is so interesting. I Yeah, I love that you said that. So... Totally. Like, in the 60s show, exactly, he's deputized. Like, he calls Gordon. Gordon calls him from the bat phone when he needs some help. And that's kind of always been the way. Like, even um, in something like The Long Halloween, where he's still not exactly a cop because he can't be. There's always been this kind of... And we're obviously delving way off topic, but I don't care. But um, there's always been this kind of uh, issue. You know, what's legal about having a vigilante getting information from the police, operating outside of the police. Um, And it's a really interesting story. It was explored recently um, in books that I didn't really like, but it was an interesting uh, interesting story in the White Knight series um, that's explored. Like, what if, you know, it's pretty fascist to have this guy operating outside the law with a secret identity that the police are using and feeding information to? um, And sort of how is that... as, as you know, a a symbol and also a uh, tool of oppression, which is pretty interesting. Right. Like, Ooh. yeah, that sounds yeah. interesting. I'm sorry yeah. that, that sucks that the comics did not turn out being the best, but it's, it's a really good idea. idea. But the writer artist, well, that's another conversation for another day. But he's not great. But um, the idea is really interesting. That it's you know it's very much a symbol of oppression to have this this character. So. Yeah, his in, his his relations police is really interesting that way, and and again, even here, like Batman's always the good guy in the '60s show. He's the good guy. Batman's never, no one's ever like, ooh, I don't know if I like this vigilante. It's always like, there's a problem. We'll call Batman. And again, in the story, Bookworm just had to distract Batman for a couple seconds, and he could do whatever he wanted. And then when they go to Riverdale, they're not even afraid of the authorities in Riverdale. They're just kind of like, and then we'll go to Riverdale, and there'll be no one to stop us. Well, yeah, because like literally, it's just Sheriff Keller. And he just, yeah. like, which, again, is also a very new character because, again, until, like, the 2000s, I don't think a crime had been actually prosecuted in Riverdale. Yeah. Um, but um, he he just gets, like, he's, like, the first person they hypnotize, and that's, like, literally it. Like, they just yeah. go, boom, and, like, bam, like, you're, you're, in, you're under our spell now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there really is no police force in apparently the entire world. Like, I'm curious if there are any, like, if this, if, like, Batman 66 is this weird dystopian future where, like, the only crime fighters are uh, Batman. Um, That's it. That's it for the world. And everywhere else is, like, some lawless Mad Max or, like, Riverdale weird (laughs) utopia place. But the only crime is really, like, thievery in the Batman 60s. Like, it's always just, like, we're going to steal this thing. 
It's always a diamond. It's always some yeah. kind of diamond. I don't know why. They all love diamonds in the 60s. It's, sometimes it's, it's to power a laser. Sometimes it's just yeah. you want a diamond. I don't know it's who's thievery. buying it. So here it's interesting that they're like, they're taking over Riverdale to make this like playground. They're almost like turning it into Vegas. And Riverdale's like, no, we're a nice town. So even without the police, you're never like, uh-oh. It's more just like, oh, my dad's acting weird. Yeah, that's true. They they literally say like Vegas is like a good comparison because they literally like once we get some nightclubs up in this place, <laughs> it'll be really bangers. And you're like, yep, because that's all they really did is just yeah. dance. Yeah, and Reggie's like, oh, that sounds pretty fun. Yep, yep. That's uh, and and if anyone like the true chaotic neutral is uh, is Reggie. So I mean that big all Reggie tracks. Fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you a big I've Reggie like fan? Reggie. Yeah. What do you think of the... his spandex outfit? great it was great it's exactly what i wanted you know burt ward is the robin i'm getting is the dick grace i'm getting i needed something and i'm glad that it was reggie um yeah, yeah. reggie's the best i've always um i whatever i've always liked the like weird kind of villainy but not actually evil dude because i'm just like i like when dudes are just straight up like archie sucks too he's cheating on like his you know or he's dating two best friends like archie sucks but he pretends to be nice right. reggie's just like i'm a douche and i'm like i like that I like that you're straight up about it reggie archie and reggie do all the same things it's reggie's true. just straight up about it so i've always liked reggie it's like i always like the paul walker character and she's all that i always like gaston i think he's the hero of the story so uh yeah yeah reggie wow Contra- reggie. controversial uh statements yeah. uh yeah. gaston number one get gaston fucked beast. Number one. he's the hero of the story it's true it's true <laughs> i don't know why we all interpreted beauty and the beast so incorrectly because gaston's the hero and reggie is the is the ace of the archie universe there you go you, know, <laughs> you heard it fair. here first folks you know what? That's fair. And and to be fair, uh, I I oh, like my relationship to Reggie is like sometimes it's just like why are you even here? Like why do they keep inviting <laughs> you to these places? Because you're like just the most obvious dick in the world. Yeah. And other times like, it's like oh wow they actually did something interesting with uh, Reggie. Like I like when a car- when somebody like actually has like a prerogative to like write an interesting arc for Reggie yeah. at least and like. To be fair, I was not expecting that from this comic, but like this comic definitely does kind of have an arc for Reggie, like where yeah. he's kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll do these like little pranks for like getting paid, and then he like looks at the money and he's like, wait a minute, this isn't even real money, like screw you. Yeah. And Reggie's relatable, like like yeah, okay, Reggie did evil deeds for money. Okay, I'm not saying that guy, but Reggie also like he he realizes his his wrong and he fixes it but he's also like i don't really understand like he's the only one that kind of points out the absurdity of the 1960s batman situation where like their evil plan was to add some like theme parks to riverdale and archie's like or reggie's like oh it seems okay (laughs) i don't know why we're all freaking out like we need batman to come save the day all they want to do is build a nightclub that doesn't seem so bad Yeah, it's pretty much like yeah the zoning commission will just make sure it doesn't happen like it's like reggie is just like so un unplussed which i just like and i and like to be fair um reggie's evil deeds are like just weird pranks like yeah like these it. are pranks that like wouldn't even get on a youtube channel nowadays because they don't destroy someone's life so they're not youtube right pranks. yeah um and so. and let's also like i really love the um I think this is a little bit ripe and I'm definitely extrapolating something from nothing here, but Reggie is so obsessed with Archie in a way that we always just skim by. And this story does a good job of pointing it out. Like they point out, they're like, wow, Reggie, like you really got Archie good. Where'd you come up with this plan? And he makes some references like, oh, and like on February 4th, Archie said he hated coconut and I wrote it down. And you're like, whoa, 
Reggie. Chill. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's some deeper things going on with Reggie that nobody ever wants yeah. to talk about. But like, right. I mean, they're pretty ripe. Like you, uh, you should maybe maybe uh, maybe check out Afterlife with Archie. I'm just saying. I don't know. Hey, well, there you go. I did not know. <laughs> okay, cool. They do cool things with Reggie and Afterlife yeah. with Archie. All right, I'm down. Do. I'm adding that to my uh, read list. Yeah, I've had yeah, it forever, but like I have not read it. But check it out. Check it out. Um, yeah, so it's pretty interesting, and I think that was a really fun way to, to use Reggie. And, like, and then, because it's also really similar to, like, Joker's obsession with Batman in a way where, like, you can extrapolate from a million stories, that, and, and not even extrapolate, it's pretty much on its face that Joker is just, like, obsessed with and in love with Batman, whether it's, you know, um, Eros or Agape or whatever the words are, but, um, you know, how he loves him in one way or another, he loves Batman. And I think, you know, you kind of get a similar similar hint of that with uh, Reggie being obsessed with Archie, which I thought was kind of fun. Oh my god, now I just want like that like serious Archie comic where like uh let's 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 have a parody of that new Joker movie, but it's just Reggie. Just Reggie? Yeah, just <laughs> Reggie. I would love that because it would just be like instead of dancing, it'd just be Reggie being like nonplussed by things, like just showing up like eh. He yeah, whatever, baked. Conan. That was a terrible joke. Like, you know, funny. Like, he go, go away. He baked a pie. He baked one. Oh. He, like, went home and he made a coconut pie because he knew Archie wouldn't like it. Like, he made it. He didn't just buy some prank. He built it with love. Yeah. It's an important, important part of his character. Yep. Yeah, this is already better really than really that Joker story. movie. So we've already... Oh, yeah, that really that line that you part. just said was more thought than uh, <laughs> went to the entirety of that movie. So yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, so before we wrap up, we must talk about the costumes that Archie and the crew yes. are in at the end of this. Oh, God. So you, you beat me to this. There's, so there's a scene at the end where they show up to the Lodge's party and save the day, and everyone is in these costumes, and I did not know what they were referencing and i even made a note like what are these initials for because they all have these super suits on with initials on them i didn't know what they meant and you beat me to this so lay it on us what do these suits mean okay so these are from oh goodness gracious these are from the archie (laughs) super teens Okay. okay this was four issues written in 1994 to 96 okay so which, again, is kind of crazy because this does not look like anything that should be from a modern comic. Like, this is the 90s. Like, this is when they were selling, like, variant covers, like, out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. And they decided that this was what they wanted to go with as a company. But anyways, okay, sure. Go ahead, Archie. Sure. Uh, so, first off, we have Archie. He's wearing a costume, which, if you've been watching Riverdale, will be very familiar um because in the halloween episode he wears this and it's pure heart the powerful okay and pure heart is super strong he's super resilient and can fly using his jet boosters great yeah so anything that embarrasses him he loses powers so um yeah so he his he he literally needs to be like have his ego up or he's just gonna see Archie's a classic nice guy he's the worst oh yeah oh oh yeah there's there's some deeper stuff going on with pure heart the powerful like uh let's uh let's see his his uh origin story a la brightburn um then we got betty who i think gets the worst of all of these treatments Mm -hmm. because her character's name is just super teen Mm mm-hmm and she just twists her magical ponytail and there you go she has powers 
And, like, they don't even, like, specify any crazy powers. They're like, no, nah, she just has powers that are kind of, like, pure heart. So she's, like, the Miss Marvel to this situation. Oh, got it. Okay, so um, not Miss Marvel as in the Marvel Comics Miss Marvel, like the DC Comics Miss Marvel. Marvel. Oh, God, that's a whole other can of worms that I'll probably never get into. But, hey, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but, but just to clarify, because those two are very different characters. Mm-hmm. Jughead... Oh God, Jughead! Jughead is Captain Hero. Great. Um, which again, like I'm pretty sure, like a third grader could have come up with a better title than that. Captain like that Hero. screams like you were sitting there in a like pitch meeting, and like someone's like, "I don't know, make him Captain Hero. I don't Perfect. care. Just write the comic." You're promoted. Yeah, exactly. Now you can write a Joker movie. <laughs> <laughs> So this, the way that Jughead activates his powers is this Green Lantern Oath, type Green Lantern Oath. It's not the Green Lantern Oath. It is <clears throat> teeny weeny magic beanie pointing towards the sky. Give me muscle, power, vigor, form a super guy. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and it's he's art. basically the Batman of this uh, because he has all the crazy weaponry because, like, he has, okay. like, exploding gum and has, like, a bunch of, like, crazy stuff. So. He gets muscular, and he, like, he wears purple and yellow, which is pretty Batman-y. Yep, yep. So that all tracks. I mean, I'm sure Batman has to eat a lot because, like, have you looked at his bod? Like, that dude needs I mean, a lot of carbs. He ne- Yeah, he's he's getting his calories. Yeah, he's got to get about- his calories. Is, is Reggie, like, an evil guy here? Uh, like, what's Reggie's outfit? He's also ripped in this yeah. shot, and his hair is... He's the only one in a mask. I guess Ronnie has a bit of, like, a mask, but Reggie's got his face covered. Okay, so Reggie's evil heart, which is a variation of the pure heart factor, which of apparently course. is what... So, Art to become pure heart, he uh, taps in the pH factor. I don't know why someone didn't, like try to make like a weird chemistry joke and like say like oh this guy's tapping into the base factor but i guess that would have been too p i think it's ph and base i don't know this some chemistry thing that i don't know about um but so he can transform into a superhero with pure heart powers so he has all the powers of uh, uh archie but um apparently uh in order to go down and become like normal lesser evil which is reggie mantle it takes a huge strain to his body okay so, so i don't know i guess this is like a uh like a hulk situation or like uh no no it's like something that like the more he does it the more he dies this is like a jane foster thor situation um okay. where he every time he uses it it takes more and more pain on his body um okay and then uh veronica is just miss vanity we don't really know we don't really know what she's similar to super teen although her outfit is more provocative oh my yeah. god that is in <laughs> I, uh, i'm sorry i'm reading this off a wiki and i love that uh, the wiki specifies that the outfit is more provocative and now i'm very uncomfortable with that sentence see what i'm saying though like veronica is super sexy all the time so is betty yep. Yep. betty's a sexy nice girl and yeah like you said in the variants it's even more obvious but yeah she's got this she got this hot little outfit on Miss Vanity. Oh, my poor Ronnie. What's what I've always really liked about Ronnie, though. Again, sorry, off topic, but um, 
Ronnie is cool, and again, same with Vampironica in, in the similar story here, is that she's always, like, portrayed as this, like, vapid hottie, but yet she always gets so much done. Like, if anything, very often she's the one being like, Betty, pay attention, something bigger is happening here, where Betty is just kind of this, like, girl next door um, character who's just, she tends to be a little bit more vapid, even though she's portrayed as not being vapid. Like, I've always liked, and this is obviously very old school and a little bit, you know, kind of shaming now, but when Veronica makes fun of Betty for dyeing her hair, because it's like you pretend to be this like blonde, nice girl next door, but like, girl, you dye your hair, you have brown hair. I love that. And it's like Veronica's always painted and drawn as like the vapid hottie, but really she's like always on things first. Like she's the first person to sense doom in Riverdale and no one believes her. And she always seeks out Dilton to help her, which I think is yeah. cool. Yeah, I like that Dilton has just become this weird de facto Veronica, uh, like... Because, yeah, like, even in, even in Vampironica, like, Dilton is, like, her sidekick. So, like, I guess yeah. oh, I, I've i grown to appreciate Veronica more as a character, too, because, like, she's just, like, up front and just, like, whatever. Like, screw yeah. you. Like, this is exactly what I believe in, and I don't have to censor myself because I have enough money to make any problems go away. <laughs> That's true. I love Ronnie. Again, as much as I like, I've always liked Reggie and I've always liked Ronnie. I think I... As a kid, I always liked brunette characters. I guess that was really um, easy for me to say. But, you know, all the princesses are always blonde. And Belle was a brunette who read. And Ronnie was very much that. She was always, like, smart and fun and on top of everything. She always had people eating out of her hand and doing what she told them to do. And she had brown hair. And, I guess, black hair. So I always liked her. That's fair. (laughs) And in Riverdale, she owns a speakeasy and uh, is starting a run empire. So I did not know that. That is so cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's better than Betty's story where she is a detective and her dad's a serial killer. Anyways. Um, oh my God, I gotta watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Like, one of my favorite things to do is just when somebody mentions Riverdale is to just casually introduce the crazy-ass concepts of the show because there's a lot. I mean, that's the only thing that will sell me on it, though. It's like, I need to know that it's crazier than I can imagine because otherwise I'm gonna be like, oh, I don't want to watch, like some weird teen show but then there the is like biggest sp- sales pitch for me is when someone's like oh it's like almost if like david lynch made archie i'm like all right okay <laughs> i mean like i guess i mean like this is like even weird for david lynch but because like it's a it's like it's a weird archie universe like the weird veneer um yeah which like i guess is kind of like twin peaks but like uh it's kind of like bad twin peaks um i mean i don't right. know maybe you don't like twin peaks but that's fine that i like twin peaks i do like twin peaks. okay <laughs> but like it's like a it's like a very it's like a trashier version of twin peaks i mean that's it's to me that's its best selling point like that's yeah. that's the pitch that will sell me well, the like go. based in archie lore but a bit darker does nothing for me but if you're like oh well it's just a really weird archie lynchian mess i'm like okay i'm on board yeah yeah <laughs> for sure that's the sales pitch for sure for sure that's pretty much uh that's pretty much the best pitch you can get but it's also crazy and occasionally there's musical episodes so great i'm all in oh before before we skip though speaking of all the of all the archie shows we chatted a bit so with i don't know if everyone here is going to be comic book fans or everybody here is just uh, Riverdale fans, but one thing is when single issues of comics are released, there's always variant, not always, oh, but they're very yes. often variant covers. So what a variant cover is, for anyone who doesn't know, it's they'll be the cover that comes with the book, and then they'll do a second printing where it's the same story on the inside, and they'll bring in other artists to make a different cover. Um, and they're kind of like collector's items, and th- there's a lot to that. But what's cool here, so they're, they're pretty much um, off the off the leash they're not bound to make a cover that matches the story so again like this cover you've got 
Batman and, and Robin breaking into the Archie's playing music, which we know doesn't happen in the story at all. And so a lot of these covers have nothing to do with it. And there's a lot of really cool variants. So either you can see the single issues, but if you buy the trade, which is all the issues put together into one book, in the back they have a gallery of all of them, which is pretty typical. And what's cool is going through them is that you'll recognize a lot of people who worked for um, the uh, stories that Archie and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina were based on. So there's a really cool cover here by Robert Hack. Uh, where it says Robin Reborn, and it's kind of Archie dressed as Robin, and he's kind of holding the mask with his head down, and Batman's behind him. It's a really very cool cover. Um, and Robert Hack, you might know, because he drew the uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, so his art might look really familiar if you've ever read that. And his art is, shows up a lot in the uh, opening credits. So if you've watched Chilling Adventures on Netflix, you will see um, the opening credits are, are comics, um, and that is Robert Hack's art. So he's got a really cool variant cover in here. There's a couple more that I noticed. Um, I really liked the other one by Francesco Francavilla, I believe is how you say it. And he's another guy that you'll really recognize from Chilling Adventures and Afterlife with Archie. Um, and he's got really great covers. I really recommend following him on Twitter because he posts really awesome it's almost like fan art but not actually because he's an employed artist but he like posts like when something comes out he'll post his version of it and it's really very cool and so yeah those are a couple of my favorite variants i don't know if you went through any of them uh yeah i did go through a few of them and those are my favorites as well those are yeah. those are exactly my favorite yeah, i think some, it's cool like there were some that maybe a little bit uh a little bit uncomfortable like there's one where they're like all <laughs> bathing in like bathing suits and stuff and i was yeah. like Oh, okay. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, one. I mean, like, maybe put like Catwoman out front and center, like, and also poor Siren. She doesn't even get to hang out at She's the beach. Gonna... Like, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't do anything with Siren. But there's um... a Greg Smallwood one where Betty and Veronica are upset while Catwoman's like pushing her chest against Archie. That one's a nightmare. Um, hate that one. There's one by what was the other one that was a nightmare? There's a few that you're like, oh my god, what? Um, there's one by, uh, Rebecca Isaacs, um, where <laughs> Catwoman and Archie are sharing a milkshake, like all lovingly, which is very, that very typical Archie cover that you're used to seeing and Batman's in the back, like heartbreak, which is funny. Cause usually it's like, you would see Archie with either Betty or Veronica and then Betty and Veronica in the background being heartbroken. Um, so it's an interesting twist on it, but also very gross that Catwoman might be cheating on Batman with a high school boy, but you know. Yep, yep. I mean, funnily enough, the uh, Poison Ivy and Harley cover is, I'm pretty sure, that exact same image. Like, is, oh, that's funny. Is like oh, Harley yeah. and Ivy, uh, and then uh, Archie is in between, and like they're, they're all drinking right. out of a milkshake. And I'm just like, look, if any two people do not need any use for like Archie, like it's a Harley and Ivy. Like they don't need Archie. They no. they're good. They're good without. I know. Him. They're good without him. He was not even a good flavor to the milkshake. Just get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. hope in that comic that somebody uh, that Harley uh, makes a weird uh, relation to um, you know Reggie being like the Joker, so we can just complete that whole. Uh, Ooh, that would be fun. That whole bandwagon we were trying to start with our very serious Reggie comic. That's a parody of a very serious, stupid Joker movie. I like that. That would be a fun twist. That would be a fun twist. And if you want to hire us for that, um, <laughs> we're available. We're available. We're all ears. It's my 2020 uh, goal. 2020 goal. Amazing. Yeah. That would be Here so good. Go. 
great. Um, was there anything that we didn't get to in this comic? I think we kind of jumped around all over the place, but I mean, like, as soon as you heard the general setup, you should know, yes, the heroes win. Like, Yeah, yeah, we jumped around a lot. I mean, yeah, the villains go to Riverdale. The Archie and the gang try to thwart them, and they use Batman's help. There's some pretty cool fun, I, th- I think, uh, I really like that Batman's still kind of a celebrity to those in Riverdale, and they're still excited and having fun seeing him. It's pretty cool. It's fun. There's the you know standoff at the lodge party, and uh, yeah, the heroes win. Spoiler alert. Oh my god, you've ruined it. Forever. I know. Who would have seen that coming? I really thought this time Joker was going to win, but um, yeah. Can and you the imagine, arts really like, you, yeah. you turn the page and it's suddenly like Dark. crazy, like all of them are murdered by the villains, and you're like, what just Whoa. happened here? Just like a blood And they're like, yeah, this is an Archie horror comic now, but you didn't yeah, see that surprise. coming. Surprise, yeah. It's all some of the Archie horror umbrella. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, there's a really cool use of gadgets. Um, the retrofuturism, like you said, is really fun. Dilton's got a bunch of cool gadgets. Dilton's used pretty much as you expect them to be. So, yeah, I think it does ultimately, like, do a really good job, A, crossing those two things over. I wanted a bit more from the characters, but it did do a good job crossing them over, and I think it's best. It's its strength was being a 2019 comic written about the 60s. It did a really good job of the gadgets and the culture and the lifestyle in a way that feels like 2019 is making jokes about the 60s. So that was the best part for me. Definitely, definitely. That uh, mm-hmm. That is a great summation, and I couldn't mm-hmm. say it better myself. I kind of wish that there was maybe one or two more issues mm-hmm. so that they could have maybe slowed down and had a bit more character interactions would have been nice. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, like, the problem with that and comics is, like, you have to, like, go by what will sell and how often people will buy. And it's, like, it's really hard to gauge how invested people will make uh and yeah. how invested they will be in like comic runs so like i totally understand just going for like the six i think it was six issues right i actually don't know i never read it as singles uh yeah i think so i think it was six chapters yeah so six chapters yeah so like i mean it would have been cool maybe have an eight but like again like it's really hard to figure out if uh it would have the staying power in the marketplace which is really yeah. hard to do for comics because there are comics which get like only two issues because they like bomb horribly or yeah. there's like Marvel comics which like love to reboot every two minutes and you're every like two oh minutes. my god how many yeah. number ones are there and I think yeah oh god and I think there's something to be said about trades like people like to wait for, I know I really like to wait for trades I bought a few um, I've been reading a few things issue to issue the past couple of years more than I usually did and it's tough and things get delayed and you don't remember what happened and you want to be part of the, you know, it's like episodic. It's very much like the whole, um, you know, a show is on showcase and you have to wait for it to show up on Netflix. And you're like, oh, do I wait and binge the whole thing when everybody else is going to watch it? Or do I watch it, you know, episode to episode so I can watch it on TV um, and and be a part of the discourse early. And it's really much, that's very um, analogous to comics, like issue to issue. It's hard to wait. It feels choppy. It's kind of messy. You forget what you read. You're reading 50 different stories at the same time. So it's really a big investment to put out eight issues before you see how successful the trade's going to be. So yep. I kind of get that. Yep. No, that's uh, that's totally true. Um, I mean, I would like to see more of these in the future. That would be cool. Like, Absolutely, yeah. It's gonna, it'd be nice. I mean, like, you can you could even do, like, weird character versions. Like, it doesn't have to be the whole crew. Like, uh, I mean, I guess... Uh, We're kind of getting the Harley. Yeah, we're definitely going to have that Harley thing because that'll be interesting, Harley and Ivy, because that's like a very specific, like I feel like there'll be a lot more character moments from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but Betty and Veronica have been making some very interesting crossovers. Um, yeah. Like uh, Red Sonia and Vampirella meet. Yeah. Uh, 
which is a comic book where I'm not a big fan of the art, but it's actually written pretty funny. Okay, and has I like read a good, it, so that's good to know. And has a good style to it. Uh, I'm just not a huge fan of the internal artwork, um, mm. which mm-hmm. uh, will kind of maybe make or break it for you. But like, I actually no. think it's pretty well written as far as like being kind of funny and making fun of these okay. characters. That's cool. And yeah, and and does like a lot of weird things with them. But again, eventually we'll talk about that as well. But um, yeah. is there any comic books that you want to uh, recommend that people read uh, before you give your plugs? Like, what are you reading right now? Sure. I am currently reading. So again, I'm almost all the way through Doomsday Clock, which we talked about. If you guys watch Watchmen on HBO, um, I wouldn't say Doomsday Clock is as good as that per se, but um, it's really great and fun. And and uh, I would recommend reading it. What's cool about Doomsday Clock compared to like the original Watchmen, um, obviously it was written later than the time that it's about, but it was a really interesting political drama. And this, though not as uh, thoughtful and and great in my opinion it is a really cool political drama there's a lot of um you know references to the current political climate which is interesting um yeah so that's a really fun one um i'm currently also reading last night on earth the third issue just came out uh, and i haven't read it yet because i'm saving it um for you batman fans uh, scott snyder and greg capullo have been creating a lot of batman stories over the years they are probably my favorite Batman creators. Um, They are a writer-artist duo, and they made, um, you might know them from like the Batman uh, Who Laughs and Dark Knight Metal, but they also did um, a lot of the new 52 Batman stories and probably my favorite run. Um, They did a lot. They did like um, a death death of the family, not a death in the family. They did death of the family, which is great, and the zero year stories, which are really great. So this was their last... um, Batman story. DC basically was like, hey, you guys have been doing Batman for 100 years. You've gotten a bunch of different stories. This is it. Three issues. Do whatever you want. So they made this very weird... I don't even want to spoil it for you, but um, the opening couple panels are basically uh, Batman wakes up in Arkham Asylum and he's like, oh, what am I doing here? I have to go get out of here. And doctors at Arkham are like, what do you mean get out of here? And he was like, I'm Batman. I have to go save the world. And the docs are like, this Batman delusion is enough. You've been here since you killed your parents as a kid. Um, And that's the opening bit of Last Night on Earth. Um, So I think that's a pretty cool endorsement. So yeah, that's what I'm reading right now. It's a very cool story. Capullo and Snyder's last run. Um, I did just read Vampironica. I didn't love it as much as I know you did, but it's great. I really recommend Afterlife with Archie if you're at all interested in any cool Archie stories and seeing the Archie uh, characters and archetypes explored in different ways. I think that Afterlife with Archie does a great job of bringing darkness to a real story. It doesn't just, you know, it's, it's not the dark for being dark. It is the dark, thoughtful version of these characters. So I really, really like Afterlife with Archie. And then I also, just because we're on the Archie topic, um, it's it's still kind of slowly pouring out, but um, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina are really great comics. If you like the show, the books are very different, but very the same. The characters are going to feel really familiar to you, but the book is really scary and spooky. So if you're into the whole spooky tone of Chilling Adventures, um, I totally recommend the books because they're very terrifying and scary and fun. Um, um, awesome. That yeah. all sounds awesome. I did not know about that latest uh, Scott Snyder and um, like Greg Capullo stuff. The run. Yeah. Like, I did not know about the Last Night on Earth, which I'm surprised because I've been reading all their stuff. So yeah, uh, I'm definitely gonna check that out because that sounds amazing. It's weird as hell, and so it's three short issues. The third one like came out. I want to say last week. And I picked it up, but like I said, I haven't touched it yet because I'm just like not ready to read their last book ever. So, well, their last Batman book ever. So, 
Yeah, and then uh, Scott Snyder will hopefully go back to Witches, which... Uh, Is he going worked. to? Because, like, I would love him to, but, like... I mean, I like they they've only done like the first what, five or six issues? Like they've only done one so volume. They did right? yeah, there was the one volume and then they did the Halloween special. Oh, I don't know if I've heard that Halloween. Yeah, Halloween. there was a Halloween special that came out uh this year. This year and it was kind of like he just hasn't had time. Um, but he's said both Snyder and Capullo, mostly Snyder has said like after um they're done with Batman, they're gonna be able to take on different types of projects. So hopefully that means they'll go back to Witches. I don't know. Hi, hopefully. Because uh, I, I really like, I, want uh, more. I really like that team up, and I really like that series. And like you yeah. said, I really want more. So yeah, I want uh, more. So yeah, that's what I'm reading. That's amazing. Where can mm-hmm. uh, where can they follow you on this world wide web to learn more about your <laughs> wonderfulness? Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, follow me on Twitter. It's Smash Travis S M A S H T R A V E S like Traves. Um, find me there. You'll be able to see uh, everything that I write about. I'm a few places right now. Um, I pop up on Daily Dead. I'll pop up on uh, CG Mag Online, Comics and Gaming Magazine Online. I'll pop up on Nightmarish Conjurings. Um, a little bit of Bloody Disgusting. You should be able to find me there. Um, but the best way to find everything that I do would be to follow me on Twitter, and I will make sure to tweet out links for you. Amazing, and I would definitely recommend you do that because uh, she is always and constantly giving really great uh, comic book uh, insights, and will constantly <laughs> yeah, uh, convince me to buy something. Where she's just like, "Oh, this is really good," and I'm like, "Oh, cool! Yeah, like, I'll I read go this. Out and buy this." Like uh, <laughs> recently, I bought the uh, the John Carpenter Joker book uh, yes! recommendation, and it was oh, really good. So it's so good. Oh my gosh, that's, I didn't even mention that. Guys, read that. My um, review of that is on Bloody Disgusting. Um, and I try my best not to spoil it. It's a very short book, so it probably will get spoiled. Read my review. Read the comic. It's very, very great. It is the anti-The Joker movie in a lot of ways, even though um, they have nothing to do with each other, and the book was made before the Joker movie came out. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting take. Anything that you've thought about, like, oh, The Joker is an interesting explanation or exploration of mental illness, um, this book does that way better in a few short pages so i would definitely check that out uh agreed agreed and yeah. uh, again make sure you read that review follow <laughs> on twitter um nice. if you uh want to get in touch with the podcast you can always email us at milkshakesandmimosas at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at mpodcastm where we'll be tweeting about all kinds of riverdale madness mm. um so thank you all for joining us and have a great day goodbye Bye.